You're listening to Boudoir Therapy, hosted by Darlene Wong. I fly over oceans in my sleep. Join me in my private boudoir where I raise the volume in the presence of coveted, feminine, and empowering business women I call the queens. Why can't we just be? Why can't we just be? You are not living life if you are not living your inner art. Good morning. How are you, Dana? I'm really happy to have you here on my show, Boudoir Therapy, because you're going to be touching a different sense that is not usually recognized, um, whether it's for personal or even for business use. And with my experience and my education, I've learned a lot about all five senses and yours is primarily the olfactic sense but what's interesting about yours is that you have an extra sense please introduce yourself hello <laughs> uh, my name is dana el masri i'm a perfumer and interdisciplinary artist so my medium is smell or olfaction our sense of smell so that's basically anything that I do is usually from a very olfactory lens. And I also love working with uh, different senses and finding the connections between our different senses and working from a very sensory perspective. And I happen to have certain forms of synesthesia and synesthesia is the merging of the senses. And a lot of us actually have synesthesia, many artists, have synesthesia and we're actually almost born, all born with it. Um, and I tend to smell sounds and sounds also have colors and smells have different colors and shapes and even days of the week have different colors for me. So I have different forms of, of this, this gift, I guess. And I happen to work very closely with scent and sound because they have a lot in common. Oh my gosh, that is, it is like one of your powers, I believe. My, my next question was, well, do you feel like with what you're doing, um, it's really truly living your inner art? And is that how you discovered your, your super royal power? What was interesting for me is that all of my life, I've been artistic and interested and very curious in a lot of different things, but I never felt fulfilled by any one thing. And once I found perfumery, I felt a huge sense of connection to the universe and seeing the signs. And I had just read The Alchemist and all of these different things had come together. And what's special about perfumery is that it is an amalgamation of all these different things. So it has psychology and spirituality it and does. biology and chemistry and nature all, all of these different different things combined and it's so highly emotional and I just thought wow I finally found something that makes sense and I'm like that I'm a mix of all of these different things and I can't be satisfied with just one and why not mix all of these things together and see the connections because that's totally yes I agree yes yeah things that are intermingling um, and yeah, I think that once I embraced my sense of smell, um, and that, that's been a huge part of my life 
like my sense of smell has been the way that I experience a lot of things and the sense of smell is the strongest sense linked to memory so a lot of my memories were scent based but once I understood what my purpose was I think it changed the way that I perceived the world even just from a day-to-day -day thing like when they say stop and smell the roses I really I really believe that it changes the way that you access yourself and your own mindfulness and how you interact with each other everything I I can see it just from your energy and your huge smile that it is authentically you. And I know when the first time I met you, I asked you lots of questions about fragrances. But now that I get to really speak with you and even just these last 60 seconds with you, it to me, I can see that you are truly living your inner art because it is something that comes from within. And like you said, it, you've been a highly emotional person since the beginning, since you've ever known. And then when you realized what fragrance, what smells can do to you, it looks like you've attached it not only to all your five senses, but to everything in, in life. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's like a part of my being. Yes. Also, I mean, I don't think that it's a mistake that our, our nose is in the middle of our, of our face. No way. That's a good one. <laughs> focus, right? And I mean, in a lot of cultures, they talk about how like a large nose is, is a, denotes high character or good character. Um, and I, I hated my nose as a child. So I, I was like, oh, it's always so big. And that was also something. I was like, wow, I'm finally embracing different parts of myself that I didn't really love. You psychologically entrained yourself to accept who you are, but by incorporating everything that you are and then putting it right in the middle of your face. <laughs> weirdly enough, I don't know if this happens to you, but I like as I age, I have all of these different spots that just pop up. And after I became a perfumer, I all of a sudden had more spots on my nose. And I thought, wow, like, look at all this adornment that is occurring. No it's, way. It was so strange. <gasps> yeah, now I have all these beauty spots on my nose. And people were like, where did those come from? I'm like, I don't know. Cool. <gasps> That's amazing. So so with with your kind of experience in this industry and, and really self-discovering who you really are, how do you define success? That is something that I'm still trying to define, I think, because being an artist and being an entrepreneur, very, very different things. And I'm still trying to reconcile like what that means and where I fit into all of that. So what my parents thought of success for me and what society's idea of success for me is now not what I think. And I'm still, I don't have an answer, but I think the closest thing I could get to that is inner peace. If you keep your promise to yourself and you accomplish those very little things, sometimes it's little things that you're like, wow, I got through the day without crying or breaking down and I did everything that I needed to do with love and, and dignity and integrity and the best that I could do it, that's success to me. You know? okay. Or if I do something that I said I would do, because I have all these ideas of all like these olfactory installations or even just Jasmine Sarai. Like I never thought I could create Jasmine Sarai and here I am almost five years in business. And while I'm not succeeding the way that most people might think I am, um, which is financially most of the time, right? That's um, true. I think that the fact that I've reached all of these people that I've never met, 
that I broke into an industry that isn't open to outsiders for the most part, or at the time wasn't. Um, the fact that I'm still doing what I want to do with freedom and no one telling me what to do and mm. all of that, like, that's success to me. So to be able to have control over, over things, to be able to say, like, hey, I did what I said I was going to do, that to me, or like even achieving any small dream, any small big dream, whatever that is, I think that's that's success. At least that's my answer. Okay. So it sounds like success for you is being Dana, what Dana believes and what Dana feels is right and what Dana smells. It's whatever Dana thinks and feels without any exterior voices giving their opinions. It's just being integrous to yourself, right? So it's not about not listening to others and not taking feedback and being like, oh, no, what, what I say is right. I just think it's more of like you're going to get so many people with so many opinions and unsolicited advice. It's and true. Everyone has something to say about what you do. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's actually wrong, you know? <laughs> but it's up to you to be like, okay, what's wrong? What's right? How do I go with my intuition and go with my gut? And as long as I do what I say I did or I said said I was going to do or set out to do then that's that's a good start because if you can't keep promises to yourself then what's the point the most important person the most important judge the most important living thing in your life is really yourself if you don't pay respects to your own thoughts then you know you're just pretty much like you're just empty inside could you remember when you had that like self-discovery moment? Um, when did when did you finally say this is what I am and this is what I do and this is my purpose? I think those were very different moments. Okay, I think it's uh, it was a set of different realizations. I came to Canada at 18 years old and I went to study communication studies. So at Concordia, I did a lot of sound production and I was heavily into music. I wanted to sing. So that was. The old Dana, and even before that, there was the Middle East Dana who had like hadn't even come to Canada. So there was immigrant Dana who didn't know anything really in terms of what it was like to live in the West for one, and to interact with all of these different concepts. After I graduated and the economic crisis hit, that's when I actually started reading a lot of books. And one of my best friends gave me a book called Jitterbug Perfume, and that's kind of the first. It was the first catalyst into my becoming. What's the um, author of the book? Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins, okay. It's a really great book. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's equal parts funny, it's a saga, it has all of these different stories, it has all of these different um, characters, two of, two of whom are perfumers. Okay. And that's when I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that you could have, um, you could have that as a job. So being Middle Eastern, I'm half Lebanese, half Egyptian, uh, and I grew up in Dubai, so I was surrounded by smell. Like, smell, smells and scents as ritual are a huge part of just our culture. So I grew up with that as a part of language, as a part of my almost every day. And I, so, and I used perfume and smells to kind of, uh, kind of like chapterize my own life. That's and a good way to say it. <laughs> You know, and it had all, I had all these different memories related to perfumes, different times in my life, uh, related to different people. And so reading that, I was like, okay, this actually is starting to make sense. And once I closed that book, I was like, okay, I want to be a perfume. Like, that's just it. And within eight months or so, 
I found a school in the in the south of France and I applied and they only took 12 people a year and I was reading another book about these the journey of two different perfumers on very very different projects I ended up be, being interviewed by one of the perfumers I was reading about oh, nice. and then other perfumer was I mean, I use his style. He's my influence in my minimal style, and I ended up meeting him at school months later. So cool. everything, just, and then yeah, I read The Alchemist right after that, which was all about seeing the signs. So I kind of just slowly became me, mm. and felt like I had more purpose. And from there, I would use smell. I was like, wow, I'm not afraid to use it anymore because I feel like a lot of people associate smell with with something animalic. Like culturally, it's not sanitary to go smell someone, or mm. it's not uh, culturally appropriate in a social setting to just go and just be like, mm, "You smell so good," because it's kind of like, <laughs> right? And so there are all of these different things that have led to uh, the sense of smell being such a tertiary sense that's not audio, it's not visual. We're not using it anymore. But in fact in many different cultures over the years, over centuries, and even now in certain tribes in, in, in South America or, or in, on, like the Tonga Islands, there's all of these different tribes that still use smell as like a very, very important way to connect with each other. Anyway, I went on a tangent. I loved it though, because I'm so into it. <laughs> because there's so many things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> all of this, it kind of, it was all of that brought me to where I was. And I went to New York City for the first time. I did my interview. And within months, I was in France. Wow. And that's it. Congratulations. Kind of it. And, you know, it was smell music. Thank you. Thank yes. you. And the smell music thing was in school a lot more because we have a lot of musical lingo. So like an organ, which is my messy lab space, uh-huh. is usually the, is a perfumer's organ is a perfumer's workspace. Okay. Or we say top, middle, and bass notes. Uh, perfume and sound or scent and sound work with time. They're time-based. Uh, they're invisible. They're highly emotional. Uh, they happen right away. They're transportive. They take you places. I see the connections far too much. And I, I was always a little weird as a kid. So this was where I could let my freak flag fly, really. And I could say like, oh, this smells purple or this smells jagged or this smells like a you know, rock and roll song. All of these different elements kind of combined. And I was like, okay, I can't be afraid to be myself. And it was also a long healing journey because once you smell certain things, it triggers your memory and it triggers all these things that you forgot. So I was going through a breakup. I was crying a lot. I was in France, uh, in a tiny village, and all of these things. But looking back on it, I was like, wow, that, that year was transformative. It was probably the most educational time of your life as well. Because, So let me just recap this aha moment. So you were into music and you studied music. And then you read a book from Tom Robbins, which you believe was the catalyst to your discovery, uh, self-discovery and professional discovery towards perfumery. Then you applied to a school um, to in another country, in France, and you had just recently uh, uh, been an immigrant here in Canada. You applied in New York, then you went to France to study, and now you're back in Montreal. Montreal, you've taken all of that information and all these things that you were told when you were a little girl about how weird you are and then said, I am going to accept those weirdness about me. Is that kind of it? More or 
I can concur with you on a few different levels because those aha moments when we're asked, it, it's true. It doesn't just happen like this. It's it's almost as if the process you went through, there were you know different tools put on your lap as you went forward. The more you went to go and discover and accept, the more tools you ended up having and then the more confidence you end up gaining as well. You weren't scared. And I find there is, you know, that process is probably one of the toughest, but the most growing ones that um, I could relate to because there's a lot of doubt, fear, and guilt. You're going through all of this because, again, you still have the voices. Whatever you've been brainwashed with since you were born is still carrying with you and then for you to be open is because you're saying well you know what i i heard what you said i'm just gonna put it aside and i'm just gonna listen now to myself how do how do you deal when you have one of these like guilt or doubt or fear moments that's a really good question i um i tend to break down actually okay I have a hard time. Uh, I deal a lot with anxiety and I dealt with depression for many years. So if I'm stable, I'm good. Uh, the fear, I tend to just work through it. So I have the moment and then I try to work through it. So I do have better coping mechanisms as I age uh, and learn better. But I have a very hard time with it because sometimes I, I cause because I see everything, I also see the negative a lot. So it's a very difficult exercise for me that I have to maintain positivity and gratitude in order to move through that. And guilt, I feel guilt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's me, but like guilt and shame are just like your little on your shoulders at all times. You know? They're horrible, eh? They're like little yeah, devils. I know. But you said something that the first thing that you're able to do when you are going through these kind of feelings is you cry do you find that you it, it releases a lot of your um emotions and 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 it lets you kind of restart again yeah i'm not afraid to cry i think that's really important okay and that, i i like to hear that because you, yeah, when you, you cry, you feel better. You actually release. You like, do. Yes, and now, like with your kind of experience and expertise with sense, have you been able to test out when you are in one of these kinds of you know iffy moments to take a smell to kind of snap you back or bring you back to where you should be? Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how it started. You know, when I would be sad, I would spray a few things and I would use that to help me feel better. Now I'm much more aware technically in terms of what works and what doesn't work. Okay. Classes, which is different than perfumery, but it is using, you know, essential oils to help you feel better. And I believe so deeply in the healing properties of plants and flowers. So it is definitely a part of my, my practice. Okay. Not, not sometimes, but maybe after or to help me calm down. I'm actually doing a workshop on, on that soon. I was going to ask you if you have any workshops so that we can go and attend. Yeah, so I, I'm planning on doing a lot of different workshops this year, none of which will be the same. Okay. And none of which will be like, oh, here, let's learn how to make perfume. Because, no, that stuff's hard. 
Um, so basically, the first one is going to happen at Haven Creative Space, and I think it's on. It's in March sometime, March 9th, I want to say, March 13th. Okay. And uh, we're going to talk about like scent as a healing tool. So how do you use scent in your day and to frame your day and to to bring that to bring about order or focus? Yeah, and. So, it is. And I can sense that you're because you're an emotional person and you've shared a little bit more now with us. It really helps to connect with others who might be feeling just like you and want to find different ways to heal. Absolutely. And yes. there's so much that people don't know about smell and this whole like all natural movement. And there's a lot of misinformation. So I think that it's a part of my MO to kind of just help people embrace their own sense of smell, change their perspective, and also understand a little bit more about what they're working with because I got, you know, I'm lucky enough to, to have learned this stuff and now it's like my responsibility almost to, to bring that to people and be like, this is how you use it and this is what you have inside you already that you can access. So we all have a nose. That is awesome. Know? But we breathe. We can't, we can't stop breathing. Our nose doesn't stop working. It's true. It, it, we breathe when we're asleep. We have no exactly. control over it. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that nuts? Or like it think is. about how babies their mothers. It's yeah. their sense of smell. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they don't, they don't actually see for a few, uh, for a few months. Exactly. That's yes. how they recognize you, for your smell. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Give us like a line of what your queen-like business is like. Because you're a queen. Um, Everyone in my eyes is a queen. I, I would like to be like Cleopatra or something. Ooh. Or like Jasmine Sarai is my is my brand, is my baby. And that, this is where I kind of focus on scent, music, and culture and the connections between those things. So this is um, a, a line of seven perfumes. Uh, they're going to be six in the future. I'm bringing back one just to, it's going to be just limited edition for now. And uh, they're all inspired by songs. So the idea is there's so many perfumes on the market and a lot of them are mass made and they're all like focus group based perfumes. Instead of having a perfume as commodity, I want to bring back this, you know, perfume as art and perfume as feeling and perfume as experience. So we really crave all of these things that are much more sensorial and interactive and experiential. So I thought, well, there's all these perfumes on the market. Instead of overloading people with that, how about just music is universal and everyone understands it and scent is so subjective. So if I connect it to, maybe there'd be a better understanding of what perfume is. Yeah. You can learn what is or you can learn what the scent is and you can relate to it in a much different way. And also it's actually really fun. So you'll get to see how my synesthesia works. And these are olfactory reinterpretations of these songs. And I came out with it, um, two new perfumes last year and they're inspired by the Middle East. So it's, I'm going in a whole different direction. I'm representing the Middle East, hopefully in a more positive light. And um, I, I looked at the way that Arabic music is composed, which is quarter tone music and it's, very different than Western music. So it changed the way that I created the sense. And they're all about feeling and memories and they're inspired by my family. Aww. And that they connect to other people. So the whole point, yeah, it's like scent, music, culture, smell, the sound. That's what Jasmine Sarai is about. 
I love Arabic music, by the way. I used to be a belly dancer and I loved it. Like it just, I love it. It's so sensual. Do you own a queen's chair? Yeah. Okay, tell me about her. In my house, I have a lot of tables and okay. I can't seem to find the right chairs. Oh. Um, I've always loved, you know what I've always loved? What? The 1970s rattan peacock chairs. <gasps> I know, I know. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because it is not, it's it's too tropical for that and you have to import it from outside. So um, I have, this year I'm launching the my boudoir collection and in 2020 I'm launching my garden collection and those rattan peacock chairs are being made for me in the Dominican Republic and then being brought over here. In the Dominican culture they're used a lot for Sweet 16 uh, photography um, and they're very very traditional but it's also dying a lot in its like country of origin and um, I'm I really love to bring back to life things that I knew before and kind of give them an extra you know oomph that extra queen like feel and I love how they have like this like you said a big peacock and it's, a, it's like a crown it's like you're, you're sitting on a huge exactly. crown and I love it in the 70s. Like that vibe is just so it's it's so much fun. It is. It is. I mean, I, I mean, I have an eclectic amount of stuff over here too, but they're all pieces that I really, really love. And the only ones that I really love are those that have more layers, more composition, uh, more texture. And you can't find that in today's uh, era with Not the trends. Shoes. It's flat. Yeah, pure shoes. Yeah. All of the stuff have so many patterns yeah well you're gonna love the collections i'm gonna be making <laughs> my last question for you what do you deserve from life and how will you make that happen in 2019 no i thought that was an interesting question too because i've always had such a weird relationship to the word deserve i'm like what do i deserve you know i've already been given so much and then when when you're given too much then you feel like you deserve things and you're like but did you earn it so i think i just i deserve what i earn i like I that I, I think you deserve that too and it shows pure power that's coming just from you yeah. 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 So in 2019, I just want to be humble and grateful and hold on to that. Hold on to that feeling. I love it. Yes. Good for you. And do you have any questions for me, Dana? If you would be a chair, what kind of chair would you be? And if it like, were to be a goddess chair, so like I always imagine, you know, like a throne, what would that throne look like? Well, I'm really happy you asked. <laughs> we met at the goddess experience just in Christmas time. I did bring in my queen's chair and her name is Darlene Wong because I felt like she was really me. And I know you've seen her before. I'll She's actually made up of one of my limited edition silk lotus flower collection front of the chair is made with my maleficent fabric every single one of my collections is named after a non-fictional or fictional queen and maleficent is the one i chose for this one because well she's all in black but she has a beautiful crushed velvet feel it's so elegant then there's the whole i associate myself with another character and then I use a fabric 
that I feel represents this woman, kind of like the way you do with scent and music, then I'm able to create this old chair. It's a 1980s chair from Italy and it's hand carved. Just fixed her up in a way where I said, well, you know what? Maleficent isn't so bad. She's just really misunderstood. This happens a lot when you're trying to, all you're really trying to do is what's best for you and for your community. But a message here and a message there that don't end up really sinking could end up really just creating war. And I found that that happened to me at a certain point of my life. And I said, you know what, whether it's evil or good, there's both of them in everything and everyone that I know. So I'm just going to indulge in it and embrace the Maleficent feel because it feels so good and I have done the transition and I am here and I know who I am and I have realized what kind of queen's chair I deserve and what she looks like and she's real. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, really cool. yes, yeah. So it's so it goes with leadership, it goes with, you know, um, being in control, uh, but feeling, feeling a certain way. And whatever that feeling it is, it's personal to me. And this is kind of what I offer other uh, women as well, too, is pick the one that you feel connects with you. And let's pick out one of your own um, antique or vintage chairs that's been in your family for a while and give her a whole new life and a whole new me meaning that's much more connected to you and your message. I love that so much. You yes. see, it all comes back to feeling. That's why it's incredible yes. what you're doing. It's definitely a superpower that you have, Dana. I try. I mean, I, I managed to make stuff for other people too, for like brands and individuals. And I think the my favorite part is seeing their face light up when I get it right and how it makes them feel. And that's all that matters, really. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and everything that you're saying, you know, with the senses, um, it's all a form, I find, of self-healing. So when you find who you really are and what you really love, you end up like kind of feeding yourself back that medicine. And then in return, you're able to also help others realize yeah. that this kind of therapy exists. I fly over oceans in my sleep. If you enjoyed the voice of boudoir therapy, please leave your review on iTunes. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and every Tuesday is Social Tuesday. I'll be active on social media if you have any questions. And don't forget the full moon special. Listen in a little bit closer to my story. Want to personalize your boudoir therapy experience? Visit www.darlenewong.com under DW Boutique to purchase your copy of Boudoir Therapy, a self-deserving journal made by me just for you. And never, never stop living your inner art. Because you deserve it.